Episode 63 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White, and I'm joined today uh, by special guest host, Jesse Schultz, also in Benton, Kentucky. Jesse, how's it going? Hey, guys. It's going very well. I'm happy to be... uh, This is my first time on the podcast, and I'm excited because Jody and I have a little history with podcasts, and so it's really cool to get that, uh, you know, team back together. That said, Jesse, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, tell people, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the outline and what to expect in this show. But tell sure. people a little bit about you, what you do for FLW, what your history is, uh, how many college fishing tournaments you have dominated. <laughs> right. Uh, well, if you all don't know me, uh, I'm Jesse Schultz, and I started working here at FLW back in March of 2014. But I came from the college fishing circuit. Um, a lot of us did come from college fishing who are now moving up in the fishing industry and I fish for Indiana University uh, with an awesome partner Dustin Ball. Him and I uh, were able to qualify and fish in two FLW regional championships, made it to both uh, the national championships that we fished in and we uh, happened to win a regional championship on Kentucky Lake that was back in 2009. That was the first one that we qualified for. And then we fished, uh, made it qualified for our second regional championship in 2010 and won on our home lake, Lake Monroe, up near Bloomington, Indiana. So, you know, those opportunities for us were amazing to be able to kind of be in college fishing as it was growing, as it was booming, and to be able to make a name for ourselves. I mean, we both continued our fishing careers and then uh, ended up landing a job here at FLW as the website content manager, which is the best job in the world, and uh, we love, you know, being around FLW. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think it's the best job in the world? It's the best job in the world. I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to have a mixture of fishing and working with our anglers, uh, talking with them every day, figuring out uh, what's the best techniques so that we can get them on the web and to, you know, you guys, the listeners, and to the fans as quick as possible. So it's awesome. I think my job is better. I also <laughs> I also would really like to be a starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Well, maybe one uh, day. <laughs> maybe one day. Um, I, I, I think that's great. I want to also point out that the one time you and I fished against each other in the national championship, uh, Carson and I did better. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, just, just saying. <laughs> there, there is definitely a lot of competition in this office. Jody and I, uh, we are now housed right next to each other, so... There's always competition going on between us. But it, I can't really compete too much because I never won. <laughs> and you are uh, a multiple-time champion. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, and but, you, got into it, you got into it early, which was that's time true. to be in it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting emails from FLW you know, in the beginning and before they even had a tournament, you know, sending out some type of email survey that said, hey, how would you all as college anglers feel if we provided boats for you? And I thought, whoa, who's going to provide a boat for us? Like, that's crazy to be in a tournament and have somebody be there with a full tank of gas and ready to go for us. So there was just a lot of things that, you know, we got to be involved in in that first kind of series of tournaments, which was really cool to be a part of. For sure. Uh, That said, let's get into the rest of the podcast, see what we've got going on here. First things first, 
in a minute, I'm going to play an interview I did about half an hour ago with Kyle Wood, our typical host. Uh, Kyle is out at Lake Havasu covering the Rayovac. We talked to him a little bit about what's going on out there. We also make some Rayovac Rumble picks because we had to get them in under the wire before the day one weigh-in starts. Then I've got an interview with Chris Russell from Shimano. Uh, It's a pretty good interview. We did it down in Texas at La Perla Ranch where, you know, he and I, a number of other employees from Shimano and uh, some other media members uh, we're fishing some new G. Loomis rods and a variety of other new tackle and catching hogs. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, then you'll get Jesse and I again. We'll come back. Uh, we'll, we have got some banter. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll probably talk a little more Texas. We'll probably talk a little more Havasu. We've got a variety of FLW topics going on. We've got some college fishing to talk about. Current college fishing, not the glory days or our glory days anyhow that we remember. Uh, but some actual college fishing that's coming up. We'll give the BFL weekly update, and uh, then we'll be out. And by that time, you guys will probably have a uh, FLW live weigh-in to watch uh, from Havasu and see some big smallmouth and largemouth come across the stage. Uh, So stick around. And now we're joined by Kyle Wood, who is out in Arizona at Lake Havasu, getting ready to cover the Rayovac FLW series western event it's the first event of the western division uh we've got what 150 something boats in this one kyle yeah 152 can you believe that i i really am kind of surprised i mean i saw i saw the field list a few weeks ago and it's obviously uh gotten a lot bigger since then and that's a really good turnout for a western event and i think uh i think we could be in for a real good tournament Oh, yeah, and it, it's no doubt the, out of 152 guys, this feels pretty stacked. Um, I mean, you know, most, most of the guys that fish the, the Western Division, Ravenbacks, um, are pretty good size, but it seemed like there were some, uh, this field got some pretty heavy hitters. Cool. Well, that should make our, should make our Rayovac Rumble picks pretty fun. Uh, it should. It really should. But I guess... First of all, you know, you just wrote the morning story. You've talked to a bunch of these anglers about sort of how they caught, how they maybe expect to catch their fish. Can you give us a lay mm-hmm. of the land, what what it's like at Havasu right now, uh, what you think is going to happen in this tournament? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I, I guess the gist of it is um, it, it's been relatively cool uh, for this neck of the woods, as in highs in the low 60s you know for the past month or so lows getting down 40s um and just as of about the past week they've been having highs in the upper 70s and at night it's been in the 50s ish and that water temp's been sitting around 57 to 60 degrees kind of depending on where you're at um which is actually a pretty huge warming trend is what i'm gathering i just assume you know arizona and California that straddle Havasu here, uh, you know, it's always warm. But I guess this has been a pretty major warming trend, and a lot of the fish are starting to push up towards the bay. In fact, there's guys that have said uh, they've seen bucks, um, buck male, you know, sitting on, uh, you know, making nests, making beds, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is that is really kind of cool, and it's it really could be kind of a game changer as far as, 
the the fact that this lake is changing really fast right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and the other thing um, that guys were saying is the lake's about a uh, foot low. Uh, however, it's about three feet higher than it was last year for this tournament, um, which I have assumed is a huge water change. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of vegetation flooded up in the river uh, that guys will be able to float. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the banks down here on the main lake um, that'll you know, that haven't really been present the past few years we fished. Havasu or this tournament's happened. So um, it, it kind of opened up some new water in, in, in a sense like that for these guys to target, which should be kind of interesting. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. And do you have any idea, you know, I know, so Billy Skinner and a partner of his, and Billy Skinner, obviously, he won the uh, Rayovac there last year. He caught, yep. I think, a 30-pound limit or a 29-pound limit uh, a few weeks ago yeah, in Havasu. Well, Twenty-nine and a half. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have any idea what it might take to win this particular event? You know, um, a lot of guys are saying that the lake uh, is fishing better than it has in the past, and, and the fish are healthier. Um, I heard some weights thrown around, like maybe sixty pounds to win, which, if you look at the past few years, is actually, I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, I talked to Dean Rojas this morning, and he was telling me that he wouldn't be surprised at all if the guy that won had at least twenty pounds every day. Wow, that would be that would be really cool to see because that's, I mean, that's pretty rich for for any any it type is. fishery. And from what I've heard, a lot of times the way Havasu fishes, it's a lake that really responds poorly to pressure. Mm-hmm. From what I've from what I've heard, that it, you can get out there and. It'll fish great the first day, fish good the second day, yep. and then the third, or it'll fish okay the second day maybe, and then the third day is when the fish really seem to, the screws get to be put to them a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that, that's 100% true. So, yeah, I'll... I think the, the curveball there is that with the, the water temps where they're at, and they're forecasting 80s for t- highs for the rest of the week, and basically no wind or very light wind, which is pretty rare for Havasu. Mm-hmm. And so I expect to see those large temps start climbing up. And I think that's just going to keep those fish, all those pre-spawn fish, moving up towards the bank. So basically a lot of those areas um, that get pounded will replenish with fish, you know, as the tournament goes on. All right. Well, I guess uh, in that case, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of see how this thing shakes out. Are yeah, you... it's it's gonna be a cool thing to cover. Cool. Are you are you ready for a Rayback Rumble? I am. All right. Well, you've yeah, got you've got the first pick this time around. I had the first pick at Okeechobee. It's uh, it's all you. So so get oh, go man. get it. Now, um, I kind of want to go with. I want to go with Billy Skinner. And my main reason for that is not because he caught 29 and a half pounds the other week. He's not calling um, you back. <laughs> yeah, he's not calling me back. So to me, that's saying this guy is on some stuff and doesn't want anyone to know about it. So I'm going Billy Skinner. Okay. So I was really hoping you would do that because <laughs> to okay. me, I, I understand Billy Skinner as a local 
it's hard it's hard to ignore and we know he's been catching mm-hmm. the fire out of him but i am going to go i'm going to take the person who i think is the best fisherman in the field who i think is probably the best suited to do well at this event i'm going to take brett height oh dang it <laughs> uh i, I think that's a great pick yeah, I was really happy to be able to get him. I really thought you would you would snipe height, and then then to me, I, w- I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. But to be able to get height is uh, I'm happy with that. Okay, all right, touche. What's your, who's your next guess, pick? Uh, yeah, I guess that leads me. God, there's so many options. There really um, are. There's you know from this field from guys who are just regular. Western sticks who, uh, who are gonna, you know, who are gonna be at the Rayovac Championship, who you just can pencil in for a as a AOI competitors to, you know, mm-hmm. some new guys to some guys who are specifically local, sort of like like Skinner. I mean, it's a really this is a really good field. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna take uh, Joe Uribe Jr. All right, it's gonna be my next pick. I uh I I like that pick. Mm-hmm. I do too. He's you know he's one of those solid solid anglers, and especially in the West, he's uh, he's no slouch. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. Um, I guess I'm gonna continue my streak here of picking sort of tour level anglers. Uh, I'm gonna take Josh Bertrand. He's from around. Ooh. He's from around there. I don't think Havasu's is home lake necessarily. I could be wrong on that, but uh, he fishes on the Elite Series. He's very good out west. I think he's got a really good good chance to uh, have a good showing here. And I'm already semi regretting that pick. Um, so do with that do with that what you will. Oh man! Well, see, this is hard because I don't I don't know what to do with my third pick. There's way too many guys I want to have on my team, and I kind of want to follow my gut. Um. And hope that pans out for me. All right, all right. But I kind of want to play it safe, so I think I'm going to follow my gut. I'm picking Troy Linder. Oh man, <laughs> I uh, I like it. What's your uh, What's your Lindner um, philosophy here? Why does your gut well, say he's going to he, do well? He uh, he's a smallmouth guy. And Havasu has some pretty good size smallmouth in it. However, they move around a lot. And I know that when Linder is on the smallies, he's pretty dialed in. I mean, like, to the potential that he could. Well, he won the event in 2012 out here. And he had, like, a 20-pound bag on the final day, most of which were smallmouth. Um, and I saw some photos from practice. He was catching some... Some pretty good size small jaws. So I'm going to say that he's my curveball, and he's going to find himself a pot of big smallmouth and lean into him. Man, I I hate this pick because here's here's my problem. I've got I've got Cliff Perch to think about. I've yep. got Jimmy Reese to think about. I've got Roy Hawk to think about, and I've got Dean Rojas to think about. Show. Like, what am I going to do with those guys? Right? I know, right? That, and that's exactly what I was thinking with Linder, is I could have picked any one of those guys. Yeah. But 
I all your gut, Jody. Man, my here's what my gut tells me. My gut tells me that if the fish are starting to get up shallow, if the water's warming up, maybe some big largemouth would eat a frog, and maybe I should pick Dean Rojas. <laughs> my other sure, gut sure. tells me that Roy Hawk lives there. He's going to be fishing in the Forestwood Cup. He was he's he was the top finishing Western angler at the Rayback Championship. He basically he always does well out west. He almost always does well in Havasu. And yep. he's got a really I, I think I think both of those anglers have a very very high floor. Uh And I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go Roy Hawk. I think I, I think he's about as fun a guy, about as nice a guy as you can get to root for. He He's a flip-flop guy. He wore flip-flops for <laughs> almost the entire Rayovac championship, which I see as and a, it wasn't warm. It was not warm, and I see that as a big mark yeah. in his favor. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going team flip-flop, and I'm going with Roy Hawk. All right. Uh, he and, and by the way, Roy Hawk, he and his son, Sonny Hawk, are going to be in the Forestwood Cup this year, which is about as cool they as are. it gets to have a father-son yeah. duo. One is a pro, one is a co in the cup. So, uh, so there you have it, Kyle. Do you have there any? You do you? We'll uh, we'll see how these guys shake out. Obviously, do you have any? Um, do you have any other impressions? Uh, anything else you want to say before I let you go and let you get out there to uh, to get to work on this tournament? Um, no, I, like I said, I think, I think this will be a fun one to follow throughout the week and I'm hoping to see some like record weights for a Rayovac on Havasu. Okay. Well, Kyle, thanks for, uh, thanks for the talk. Thanks for the call. Um, best of luck out there on the water at the weigh-ins, uh, writing the stories this week. I'm sure you'll do a phenomenal job. I hope your travel difficulties are over. Because uh, it sounds like it was <laughs> not fun for you guys getting in there, but you got there, and that's what counts. And uh, we made it. We're here. I, I hope all you go get on a boat now. I hope all the guys you picked do very well, but not quite as well as the guys I picked. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, same uh, to you. <laughs> have have fun in the sun. Get a good tan. Uh, maybe wear some flip flops for me. I might bust out some flip flops. It's gonna be like eighty five. I might have to do it. Well, you know what? It was nineteen in Kentucky this morning, so you're you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> for once. Yeah. All right, bud. Take it easy. All right. Later, man. So, Jesse, we just got done, or rather, I just got done interviewing Kyle. You uh, you haven't heard the interview yet. You've read the morning story. You've heard me talk a little bit about it. What are your Havasu impressions? What are you excited for? I'm excited to see some big smallmouth, and I know that always gets you excited, Jody White. <laughs> but it's interesting, you know, most of our smallmouth uh, fisheries that we see all come from the northern part of the United States. And it's neat to be able to see something come from Arizona that has a fishery that has giant smallmouth and giant largemouth. So who's going to win out on this fight? Is it the largemouth fishermen going up the creek? Is it the smallmouth fishing, you know, just guys junk fishing around? I don't know, but I'm excited to see. We are going to be glued to that day one way, and I can tell you that at three or 4 o'clock for us this afternoon. Yeah, and it's really one of the few lakes where it, we have history of it going both ways. Sure, you, you, There have been tournaments where smallmouth have been the key factor and other plenty of events where largemouth have blown the event out. So that'll be, that will be neat to see 
which one edges out the other or if it's a combination because you can very easily go out and catch a mixed bag with a few four and a half pound smallmouth and a few four and a half pound largemouth and build up a really good weight without necessarily, you know, really dialing in on any one particular pattern. So I'll be I'll be really or I'll be really curious to see how that turns out. And I think I, I think it is a pretty unique place where you get to see that interplay between the species. I always like tournaments like that. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of unique places, Jody White, ever since you got into the office this morning, I was so excited to talk to you because you just got back from a very unique fishery. Uh, you went down to Texas. You were at a ranch of some sort. I've heard bits and pieces of it. Um, but let's talk about some details. I know you have an awesome interview uh, to share with us today as well. Yeah, well, let's. here's what we'll do. Let's. We'll give you the interview. Uh, it's with Chris Russell. He's works at Shimano. It's a pretty good interview, a little bit about Shimano, a little bit about the ranch, uh, a little bit about just what you might want to do if you were trying to work in the fishing industry because he's a guy who can kind of speak to that. Sure. Uh, so there's some good information there, and then I think maybe then you and I will go on and we'll sort of get in-depth in the actual fishing and that sort of thing, the stuff that I think most people who listen to this are probably really stoked about to hear just from you know, big bass side of things. I'm looking forward to this interview too. And now we're joined by Chris Russell, Shimano's go-to market senior manager. Uh, We're here at La Perla Ranch in Texas. It's been a phenomenal time. I've been trying out some new rods from G. Loomis that we can't really talk about yet necessarily, but they were a ton of fun. uh, And I'd say you're going to, you're going to want to find out more about them. But Chris, uh, how are you doing? Hi, Jody. I'm doing really good. Thanks. Thanks. Great to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can you, you know, you have a pretty long title. Can you sort of, or not a long title necessarily, but an interesting one. Can you sort of talk a little bit about what it is you do for Shimano? Sure. Be glad to. Um, Yeah, my title is a little bit long, and I usually have to explain it to most people. But simply put, anything that Shimano does that's, that's directed toward the true fisherman, the consumer of our products, kind of falls under me. So I handle the true marketing, what you would expect, um, you know, a TV show, a radio program, uh, something on print, but also anything that happens to do with our customer service, our real service and uh, repair, uh, anything that you would see on our website, all those kind of fall under my go-to-market kind of style, and, and that fits my title. Okay. So what, uh, what, sort of, what led you to this position? Because you're, I mean, you obviously you have... You have a job that I would imagine a lot of people aspire to have, that you get to work in fishing and work for, you know, one of the major, you know, manufacturers of not just, not just rods, but reels and you know, a little bit of everything else almost. So how did that come about? Well, yeah, I am pretty lucky to work for a company like Shimano. You know, we're a global company, and so I get to not only work on U.S. projects, which I'm responsible for, but I get to work with our teams from around the world. Uh, I've been in the fishing industry about uh, almost 20 years, if you count my start at the retail side. I was a retail buyer for a company in the Pacific Northwest and uh, handled fishing tackle as one of my categories. From there, I moved to Denver, Colorado and took over all marketing responsibilities for Eagle Claw Fishing Tackle for about 10 years and then moved to Shimano. I'm uh, in my second year with them now. Uh, I'm newly moved to California and working out of their offices in Irvine. 
Okay. Oh, what's what's California like? Are you around any big bass? Because we know that's a place where they live. Yeah, there's definitely some big bass out there. I uh, through my year of move and uh, whatnot, and then we had such a amazing tuna run this last year. I haven't bass fished as nearly as much as I would like. So that's on my to do list as we go into this spring. Um, there's some great lakes nearby. There's uh, some fishing. Uh, I'm hoping to be up at the uh, California Delta before the year's out and uh, and get into that fishery. I've never done that. But there's also some, some nice lakes in Southern California that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out and uh, check those out and learn all about over the next few months as well. Okay. So we've been here at the La Perla Ranch, uh, which it's honestly, most of, uh, most of the people listening to this probably are never going to have the opportunity to come here right. just because it's, uh, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you, you know, without going into detail about these rods coming out, can you talk, uh, can you talk about why you, why you brought us here, what... Mm-hmm what you had in mind for for this to accomplish. Sure. Well, yeah, we uh, we came to the La Perla Ranch just for a, uh, a nice place to go, something new. We had never been here before either. We have been working with the owners and the management here on a, on a great location where we could run events like this with riders or even key customers or do maybe down the road we might even do a special uh, uh, prize package where uh, users of our product might even win a trip to come here. So maybe, Jody, it might be a little more realistic than uh, some of your listeners might think. But the idea here is we have a lot of items coming out in the spring. We've got items from Shimano, some new reels. We've got new line coming from PowerPro. We've got this series of rods from G. Loomis that we're keeping a little bit of a secret right now, but you'll hear a lot more about over the next couple of weeks. So all those are coming out in the spring. We brought down some of the best riders from the best publications uh, in the industry down, and we're uh, just sharing the insights so you guys can help spread the word and get it out to everybody about uh, all these new things they're going to see in the spring. Okay. As far as all these new things coming out, is there anything that you are particularly excited for that you really feel like is going to be the bee's knees? Well, we get excited about a lot of them, right? It, it's uh, sometimes new new items are are almost like our kids, right? We get all excited and and bring them out into the world. But uh, we've got these rods from G. Loomis is probably one of our most exciting things. Uh, it's in the bass market. It's a, it's a large new lineup of rods. I think people are going to be very excited about it. We've worked on a lot of new manufacturing processes to uh, bring some new excitement into the G. Loomis line. And we think people are going to really enjoy it from maybe someone that's always wanted to be part of the G. Loomis family or try those rods and maybe couldn't quite afford them in the past. We think we're going to give you a chance to, uh, to uh, step into the G. Loomis rod family and really get to experience what they're all about. I've fished the rods. I, I can tell people are going to like them. Yeah, um, yeah. I caught a 30-pound redfish on one of them, on the flipping stick. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought that when you showed up, that right? Sh- that shouldn't happen. <laughs> uh, that was ridiculous. Um, but one of the things I'm most excited about was the Power Pro that you guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love fishing with braid. I use the original Power Pro a whole bunch. Uh, but this new stuff you've got coming out really sounds, it sounds perfect to me, at least for my uses. Right. Great. Well, it's going to be out in March, so it's it's still a month and a half away. And the new Power Pro line is called Max Quattro. It's a four braid line, and it is twenty five percent thinner than the current Power Pro line now. Uh, 
So where PowerPro took us to a whole other level of fishing, where we were fishing with line that was stronger and thinner than ever before, this new braid we think is going to take it one more step. Uh, for guys like you that like braid for flipping and pitching, we think it gives you some great opportunity to uh, go with an even thinner diameter line. Uh, it's going to have less water resistance for guys that are fishing maybe in a lot of current. It's got applications both in freshwater and saltwater, and uh, it's a, uh, a project we've been working on with Honeywell on a brand new fiber that they've developed, and this will be only available in our new Max Quattro line when we introduce this uh, in March. Uh, explain Honeywell for people who aren't familiar with it. It's, they're just a large company. They're involved in a lot of uh, manufacturing materials. Um, you know, they actually make the fiber that then we use in our manufacturing process, in our weaving process, to turn that into braided line. So there would be like the, the prime source of the component that we would use, the material, if you would, that then we weave with our processes to make that specifically that. So going back to you. Mm-hmm. You've uh, you've worked for Shimano for a long time. You worked uh, for Eagle Claw before that. If you were somebody who was trying to get into fishing, or they were maybe even a high school student who thought they were wanted to work in fishing, sure. Wh- how would you recommend someone go about, you know, pursuing that career path? Right, right. Well, you know, Jody, one of the things that we hear a lot when I'm out at consumer shows or I'm on the road and I'm talking to people about my job. Maybe I'm talking to college kids that are fishing a college tournament trail or whatever it is. They all are really excited about how good a fisherman they are, which is important, right? We all are in this industry because we love to fish. And I think that is a very key element to being good at a job in the industry. But one thing that I would say is there's fishing jobs at every level, right? We have accountants. We have guys that do forecasting. We have people that work in our warehouse. So there's a lot of jobs within the fishing industry. From my side of it, from the marketing side, um, you know, I came out of a background. I never really thought I would end up in the fishing industry. I just had a marketing background, and uh, and then I actually started as a buyer, so with retail experience. So, you know, even those days having to work behind the counter at your local tackle store are not in vain. They can lead you to bigger and better things. So I would say a passion for the sport, the excitement that fishing brings it needs to be something that you can portray in your business life as you move into that. So there may not be one single path to, uh, to work in the fishing industry, but I think sometimes people focus too much on being a good fisherman would make you automatically able to work in the fishing industry. And that's not always true. There's, there's plenty of guys that are way better fishermen than I am, and, and uh, um, I'm just lucky to be working for such a great company right now. Okay. I think, I think that's pretty cool because, you know, we see so many people in college fishing right now, and obviously they're focused on performing as well as they can to make national championships, uh, to, to win tournaments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for many of them, being a professional angler is not a realistic outcome sure. because that's so incredibly hard to do. But perhaps working, you know, working in some other aspect of fishing uh, – I'm a good example of that right now, I think, is, is maybe more attainable. Right, so that's, right. that's kind of cool to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really true. You know, there's, uh, we, we have some of the best fishermen in our office are currently working in our real service area. You know, they love to fish, and, and they just really want to be involved in it. Um, you know, we've got a couple teams of people that travel the country 
uh, going to events and tournaments that we call the Shimano Experience Team. And a lot of those folks are coming out of, you know, just graduating from college and they've got a marketing background or a sales background or a business degree background. And then they're kind of evolving into the fishing industry. So um, there's entry points at a lot of levels, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, one of them, uh, Ethan Cox, who yeah. I actually I've I've fished against. I've uh, well, I guess just fished against. I can't say I've ever fished with him. OK, Uh he was because he was at NC State at the roughly the same time as I was at Virginia Tech, and I I think it's kind of cool to see what he does and see how you guys are doing that. What when you've I guess built up the Shimano Experience team, what mm-hmm. was what was your vision for that? You know, why did you guys say this is something we need to have? And then how is how do you feel like it's turned out? Okay, um, the vision behind that Experience team and it's it. Uh, it's really a traveling boat and truck that travels around the country. We've got two of them, and we're adding a third one for this 2015 spring season. And what those are all about is they go to events and tournaments, uh, grand openings, store specials, parking lot sales all around the country. But the second part of their mission is also training the dealer staff. So the folks that work behind the counter at the local tackle store or even the Academy or the Bass Pro, we're going in there and training them on the Shimano G. Loomis product lines. You know, we're talking about Jackal Baits or we're talking about Power Pro line because some of our products are pretty technical and hard to understand. And as we talked about earlier, there's a whole lot of them coming out all the time. So our mission was really twofold. One, to be in front of consumers and, and talk about our products to them, but also to train the counter staff at tackle stores so they could tell the story of our products as well. Okay. As far as telling the story of products goes, mm-hmm. you guys are kind of in a unique situation where you have G. Loomis, which they make rods and make them in the U.S., and they've done so for a very long time. Yeah, and right. they're a, you know, about as respected a rod brand as you can get. And then you have Shimano, and they're part of the same company. But Shimano also makes really good rods. Sure. So how do you, I guess, how do you balance that as as a company and not compete too much against yourself? Because to me, that seems like when you have multiple types of rods that are roughly in the same price point and things like that for any of the same applications, mm-hmm. that seems like it could be difficult to do. Right, right. Well, it, there, there can be some, some, some struggles with that. We've, we've done a lot of things to try to keep us from competing head-to-head in a lot of markets. Um, for one example, Shimano has a huge line of uh, saltwater rods, and G. Loomis really doesn't play in that as much. G. Loomis, on the other hand, has a huge line of fly rods, and Shimano, for the most part, isn't really in that category either. So we found ways to work around each other. The bass market is where we kind of start to cross over. We have rods that are uh, some similar price points. The difference that we're doing on the Shimano side, they're very technically driven rods. Uh, They have a very uh, distinct feel and style to them, a little more of the uh, um, blingy, uh, you know, kind of a fancy look to the rods. There's a lot more of that. The G. Loomis is is normally a cork-handled rod, much more of a, a traditional darker-colored blank, and they have a very unique feel to them. You know, the G. Loomis customer, we've got some actions that move our line all the way up from the NRX, which is our very high-end rod, all the way through our line. If you pick up a uh, jig worm rod from G. Loomis, the the action will be very similar all the way through the line. So people that get used to a G. Loomis style and a feel, they really become 
kind of just dialed in to that. And, and they really enjoy that kind of rod. So while they have similar price points, they are very unique after you pick one up and fish with one. Okay. Yeah, that I, I definitely can see that because I, I own a bunch of the old, I say old, but the, I think the first generation Shimano Kumaras. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when they first came out and I love that rod, but mm-hmm. it's really the only rod I have that feels like that. And mm-hmm. I, I know there are probably some of the newer Shimano rods that sort of, you know, come close to that. Uh, but when you pick up these G Loomis's we've been fishing this week, they're all they're all great rods. But you're right; they are very they are a very unique feel. And you could e- I can easily see how somebody could pick one up and say, "This is the rod for me," and then pick up a Shimano across the rack and be like, "You know what?" This, this isn't for me, but then their brother would pick that other rod up and say, oh, man, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting this week, Jody, as we were here with different people. I heard that throughout the week, you know, where someone would say, wow, I fished the Shimano rod, and that is the perfect one for the way I fish. And then the very next person or someone sitting across the table would say, wow, I fished the G. Loomis rod. I'd never fished that. And that's exactly what I would choose. So it, there's so much personal preference in rods that uh, – it, 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 there's plenty of room, I guess, to say there's plenty of room for both Shimano and G. Loomis in the rod market. Yeah, I think so. Uh, going, I don't know, back, sideways, wherever, uh, to La Perla Ranch. We're here, and I, I feel like we should talk about it just a little bit because, <laughs> you know, you have you had these great plans, but it wouldn't be anything without like the facilities and the lakes that they have here. You've you've been on the tour you've seen you know you've seen what this place has to offer what are some of the unique aspects of la perla from uh bass fishing or deer hunting or any standpoint that you see Mm -hmm. well yeah you know we we seek out these type of venues because we want to do be able to bring people together and have kind of a unique setting and and it's always enticing to come to a lake that people haven't been to a lot that's that's got a little bit of uh a mystery to it almost when we bring folks like yourself in. Um, one thing that we found very inviting about La Perla was just the way it's set up. And I think you'll agree it's very inviting. There's a great way to go catch a lot of bass, but you know that puts you in a boat with one person for the most part of the day. But one thing that we were really interested in is the the you know breakfast, lunch, and dinner times where there's a lot of socializing. They have a great room that just kind of is the dining room. It's the living room. Uh, we were watching uh, football games, uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday night in here. Um, we were able to do the uh, kind of some conversation about products. And it's really comfortable. It's not fancy, but it gives you everything you need, right? It's very nice. The service is fantastic. The food's great. And, uh, and, and everything fits together well. But it just is kind of suited to fishing and, and hunting, which they're, they're some of the best at. So, Chris, before I let you go here, I want to kind of put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, obviously, you're interested in fishing. You, you follow the anglers. If you were looking at the FLW Tour this year, who's your AOI pick? Uh, well, you know, that's kind of an interesting question. It, it's a little tough for us. You know, we get a little jaded sometimes because we have certain anglers that we work with very closely. Um, you know, Cody Meyer is someone I really respect a lot. Uh, I got the chance to spend a lot of time with him last year, 
and it was very enjoyable spending time with him. Uh, you know, he's a great young guy. I'm a new Californian, so maybe I'll pick a California guy, so he fits that way too. So I'm going to say Cody is someone that, that uh, I think really got a great shot. He's coming off a great year, and uh, maybe he can just continue that streak and, and do well. So I mean, he finished second last year right. and blew everybody else in the field away besides Andy Morgan. Sure. So I think as far as a pick, that's a good one, and – you know, he's got a new baby, so maybe that's a little extra motivation. Maybe uh, maybe something clicks and he can pick up the AOI this year. Uh, we wish him the very best. I hope he does great this season. Cool. And then my last question is, I think everybody has a favorite piece of tackle, whether it's something that they fished with their uh, grandfather growing up, mm-hmm. and that's why it's their favorite, and they just feel at home when they pick it up, or whether it's, you know, the latest and greatest that they – you know, meticulously researched themselves and uh, sought recommendation and tried it out and then found that that was exactly the combo for them. Right. For you, I imagine it's in the Shimano line somewhere, in the Jackal line, in the G. Loomis line. Sure. What's what's your ideal piece of tackle that you just feel at home with? Do I have to just pick one? Well, I mean, if, look, if you want to pick up, if you want to rick up a whole combo, you go right ahead. Uh, well, uh, I'll, but I'll... don't pick like six different rods because okay. that's that's a little excessive. Fair I feel enough. Like. I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll pick two okay. two items. One, I'm going to pick the uh, jackal iobi frog. Is one of if you know if you frog fish, you know how fun that that is. Yeah. And and I've got a chance to fish that bait a lot over the last year. Um, in fact, I was just in Mexico. We fished El Salto about two weeks ago. And I caught the biggest topwater bass I ever caught, about a seven and a half on a frog. And so that has moved up quickly to be one of my favorite lures in the jackal line. So I'd pick that. From the Shimano side, it, uh, it might surprise a lot of people. One of the things that I just have as a favorite is the new Corrado. We just introduced that in 2014. And as you said, a, a product that you fish with, maybe, you know, with your grandfather, whatever. I've, I've kind of fished with Corrado's almost my whole life, as far back as I can remember well, when they first came out. A lot of people out. have. I, yeah. I have. It was honestly, it was the first good bait casting reel that I, actually, the Corrado was the first bait casting reel, period, that I used. Um, my dad, when we, he was like, Jody, you should learn how to use a bait caster, we figured that it would be smart if I would learn to reel left-handed because I reel left-handed with a uh, spinning reel. Sure. We bought for probably about $60 one of those old green Bantam Corrados mm-hmm. off of eBay. Yep, yep. And I fished with it for a summer, and it was, honestly, it was a little bit worn out, and we even <laughs> wore it out a little more. I still have it. I don't use it anymore, really, but that was the first baitcaster I used, and I've been using a lot of Corrados ever since. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. go on. Sorry. No, no, that's great. And, and we hear those stories a lot, but, but I have one too. You know, I started fishing with Corrados. Um, when they first came out, I was up in the Pacific Northwest, and we used the wide body for uh, a lot of different things, including steelhead. So I started fishing with a Corrado maybe in an odd in an odd way, but I fished with them for a number of years. And the new one, what I really like about that one is it is such a workhorse, right? If you can compare it to anything, it's like the F-150, right? It, it just works great. It's very durable. It's the, and it's a reel that, that kind of anyone can afford. You know, I, I'm lucky. I get the chance to try out some of the newest products that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But the Corrado is so good for the money. It, it always stands out as one of my favorites. Okay, so you think if you were going to go buy a Shimano reel tomorrow on a, on a limited budget or a normal budget, let's say, 
you think Vicarado's the one you would you would try and go for? I think that's true. Yes, it's super durable. It'll last literally a virtually a lifetime. Uh, the reel performs super well. I fished them a lot. I think you've had one in your hand a lot this week too, uh, and they've landed a lot of big fish. And uh, they've performed, you know, you can buy a reel that's faster, right? You can buy a reel that's lighter. You can buy a reel that, that has some special performance features from us. But for all-around function, for the value, for your buck, that's a great reel. Cool. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure uh, hanging out with you guys this week. I've learned a whole bunch about uh, rods and reels and tackle. It's, it's been fun. I've caught uh, probably more six-pounders this week than I had my entire life leading up to this um vermont unfortunately is not a place that really exudes six pounders they're real hard to come by there so my numbers are a little low but yeah it's been a huge pleasure i want to thank you for coming on for inviting us out here and i uh I'm not sure when i'll see you next but i suppose for sure at icast i would imagine yeah i'll definitely be there and uh, i'm looking forward to cross paddle again uh, thanks for coming out. It's been a joy to have you here. And uh, I know you had a great week. You were probably one of the uh, top stars of our group that came out as far as catching fish and, and big ones as well. So it's been uh, it's been fantastic having you out with us this week. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, best of luck going forward. All right. Thanks. You too. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're through the interviews. Uh, now you've got just Jesse and I. We're going to talk our way through uh, some news, some fishing a whole variety of things, and uh, then be on your way. So, I, I guess first off, Jesse, I know that you have some you have some questions about Texas. I have lots of questions. I always have lots of questions when you come back from a trip like that. I mean, dude, you got back, and all I saw all week was monster bass, and even better, monster redfish. I'd never you, caught a redfish before. You know how excited I get <laughs> talking about saltwater fishing, talking about redfish. Dude, you caught it out of a pond. You caught it on a bass jig. I mean, what did you think when you set the hook on that? You were thinking 10-pounder, right? I mean, largemouth. First preface. Okay, uh, sure. Because a lot of people would be like, well, okay, how is there a redfish in a pond? That's, exactly. I think, a legitimate question I we agree. should answer. They've Apparently, the soil around there is pretty salty. So hmm. the pond itself has a higher, you know... Solidity? Is that the right salinity, word? Salinity... Yeah, salinity than your average pond. It's not quite brackish, but it's a place where the redfish can live. Just like and it doesn't bother the bass. No, and I mean we've seen that obviously. If you go down to Venice, mm-hmm. uh, in the Louisiana Delta, there's bass and redfish mixed right in together. Sure. So that's not a. It's it's not an astonishing thing, but for it to be in a pond is pretty cool. And of course they put them in there. Uh, when they put them in, they were about five pounds. And I don't know how many they put in, but they've. This is only the second one that's ever been caught. Oh, really? Uh, there have been two escapes where uh, people have had them on and they've broken off. Sure. And uh, two other people, one one person landed them, landed one when it was about ten pounds, and. So they had no idea this fish was this big at this point. I mean, this was like a twenty-five pound redfish. Uh, it was, I believe, twenty-five to thirty. Oh wow! It this thing was. A giant. Yeah. Uh, so it's eaten, it's thriving, it's doing well. I, I don't know what it's pond. eating, but it's it's doing amazing. <laughs> Maybe it's in eating there. the other bass. I don't know. 
they have kind of small mouths for such sure. a big fish. I imagine they're eating like a lot of crayfish. Yeah, I mean, typically in the ocean, they're eating some type of crustaceans of some sort or shrimp. I mean, but it's weird. It's like if you've ever watched a red fishing tournament or you've ever seen any type of red fishing on TV, it's they're always either around the flats or they're around islands that have a lot of shell. So they're digging around in those shells, kind of like the bass do, but they're digging around those shells looking for some type of crustaceans or shrimp or. But the crazy thing is, is you can catch those things on topwater too. So I don't know if they've ever fished for them in that pond on topwater, but it's interesting the way that a, a redfish can actually come up and almost turn upside down to hit a topwater bait. So, very well, cool. This one ate a uh, it ate a jig on a stump. Right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it bit just like a bass would. You know, boom. And I waited just a split second and sort of felt a little bit of weight and set the hook. Uh, and man, what a ride! It. We were fishing out of these little trackers, and it took me around the boat twice. And I, I was doing the whole loop loop around it, and you know the boat's whole boat's wobbling, and I couldn't quite tell it was. I couldn't tell it what it was. Sure. And at first, the way it fought, it it started out fighting kind of slow, kind of like a big bass does, where you just feel them thump and they sit down there. They're just trying to hold on, like they're not trying to move. They're just trying to not get moved, and. It felt like that, and I started to move it and started to move it, and then it just got crazy. And I've never caught a 10-pound bass, and they have bass that are 14 pounds in those ponds. So Hmm. I knew it was a possibility, but I sort of began to believe it wasn't a bass as the fight went on, and then finally I I caught a glimpse of the red, and I knew they were in there because we'd been told about them, but they were more legendary than real. Hmm. And at first I was just shocked that, it was uh, that it was a redfish. It was it was really pretty incredible. Well, first of all, I mean, just talk a little bit about your trip going down there. The reason you went down there, I mean, obviously to fish, but to more or less uh, to see what Shimano and you know Jackal and G Loomis were all about. I mean, they're all under the same umbrella now, yeah. and so they do these events together and um, get the media crew, you know, to come in and kind of test out really some of the new products so you got to see some new rods uh, maybe possibly some new reels yeah we really we went down i i guess for two reasons one of them is or two two actual reasons and then the third reason is just to have fun fishing (laughs) but the first reason is really just to get a feel for the tackle uh to be around people who are experts on the tackle who have created the tackle uh from that standpoint, but also to uh, use it, to uh, grow to love it, to understand the differences between uh, different parts, you know, different uh, different reels, uh, to use baits we wouldn't otherwise have used. And it's a really great opportunity. The Shimano Gantarel, the big swim bait that, they, that they've come the out jackal. with. The Jackal. Jackal, sorry. That bait is, you know, I would n- certainly not have caught as many fish on it at a regular body of water, a normal sure. place. Uh, so that was, you know, it's a great confidence builder and a great place to sort of try things out and really find out a lot more about these rods than you would if you were going out and catching five to ten fish a day on a regular public body of water. So I can see why they do that and why <laughs> why that's a thing you do when you're testing tackle. I mean, it's it's a really unique situation there. And I also got to, th- you know, 
really throw this new series of rods, which we can't talk about yet. I mean, we can talk about the, that they exist, exist, but it's still under wraps as far as what, what they actually are. And I can tell people are going to really like these rods. Yeah. They're they're going to be, for what they are, they're going to do really well. I mean, I this caught, is under the G. Loomis brand, not the Shimano brand. Yes, this is under, under G. Loomis. It's really a whole new thing for G. Loomis to make a rod uh, or a series of rods the way they're doing this one. And I think I think people are going to really like them. But I got to really use... I basically used every rod in the series. I didn't really throw a spinning a spinning rod very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I threw from cranking rods to flipping sticks to a regular, you know, medium heavy mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, a Texas rig. And I caught fish on all of them. And I'm in love with the flipping stick because mm. I... You know, through a big uh, secret lures jig that you sent me down there with, I caught a thirty-pound sure. redfish uh, on <laughs> it and on the flipping stick, and I also threw a big, the big Gantarell swim bait on it and uh, made that happen. So that was that was a really tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, it's good to be able to test some stuff before it hits the market, uh, so that we kind of have an idea of what's what people are going to say about it. Uh, what are good things about it? Maybe something that we can help somebody with. I mean, we get questions all the time about, hey, what's the best tackle to use? What's out there? What's new? I mean, not just our friends telling us, but like fans of FLW and fans of the sport, you know, are always asking us. So it's good to be able to get in there before anybody else has kind of had their hands on it for us to be able to see what it's all about. And we got to do that, you know, with Lose this year. We've got to do that with a couple of the other companies, TH Marine and um, it's just nice to be able that that somebody actually cares about what we think, and uh, we want to give you know we want to give the best product out there that we can on the website and in the magazine. Yeah, and to get the opportunity to really extensively fish with things, right? And also to be around experts, people who you know I said this already, but people who created it, but also other other members of the media and talk talk through very honestly mm-hmm. uh, what what you like about X, what you don't like about X, what right. what you're excited about, how you think things are going to do. I, I don't want to say, it's not a it's not a hive mind. You know, we're not all coming out of there with the same opinions. Sure. But it's a great way to be, expose your, it's a great way to expose yourself to opinion, opinions you otherwise might not think of if it was just uh, one or two people running out and testing some rods for, you know, a week or so on their local lake. Um, so that's that. I think that was a really interesting thing about it. Well, it sounds like you had a great trip. I know you were super stoked when you got back, and my hands, hands are all beat up. My yeah. hands are all torn up. I've all morning. I've been meaning. I have little cuts all over them. I brought in band aids with me, and I've all morning. I've been meaning to put them on. And I haven't had a chance to because when I type, it hurts because like the tips of my fingers are worn off from little bits of braid and stuff. It must be rough. It must be. It's, it's a real tough life, man. Really, uh, a bad time. I'm gonna be honest. It's no fun. All right, we. Uh, I feel like we've probably talked about this enough. I could talk about it forever, but I think, I think for now, we've probably bored our listeners into submission, or they've turned it off out of jealousy. Which I would not. I mean, honestly, if we can create that effect, I would be pretty happy about that. I know Kyle was pretty jealous. He didn't say it earlier, but he. Uh, he let it be he known. It. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I did text him a few pictures throughout the week. I was like, "Hey, look at this! Hey, look at this!" As you should. Yeah, uh, that's you know part of uh, part of being able to do something special that other people aren't being aren't able to do is to uh, not only keep them informed but taunt them a little bit. 
And it's nice for, you know, when you send us pictures, we're living vicariously through you. We get to show our friends and be like, oh, look what Jody White's catching. And, you know, we think that we're there. Yeah, and I've got the uh, I've got the card out of my camera. I'm very excited to go through that the next uh, next half hour or so after after I get this podcast done. Um, but anyhow, Jesse, you were back at the office. You have some FLW uh, TV show related updates, and then we'll get into some more just sort of straight up FLW news. Well, sure. Um, you know, we're always working hard around the office to try to make things new, to make things fresh, uh, so that. You know, you, the listeners and the watchers and the readers are excited about what we're doing. And let me tell you that this place never stops working and everybody's always moving around, trying to come up with new ideas. And so I got to sit in on a meeting, um, you know, with like Kathy Fennell, Dave Washburn, president and vice president of FLW. And then uh, Peyote Perriman, who's the director of the FLW TV show, uh, made a trip out to Benton, Kentucky. And, you know, he has to fly into Nashville and then drive into Benton and it's not the easiest place to get to, but we... I can't we, believe I miss Peyote. We love Peyote, like right? He's Peyote's awesome. the best. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is the best, and he's done a great job with the TV show, um, and he, he's constantly trying to improve it. And so I can't you know give you any details, but I can say that walking out of that meeting with Peyote, I was excited to go to the first tournament, and I'm excited to see the first TV show. Just beyond just our coverage on the web but what we're going to be able to experience afterwards because, you know, what we see on the web is different nowadays because we're seeing what's happening right now. And the TV shows are different because if you're a person that watches the web coverage and watches the TV show, you already know what happened. So there's nothing, you know, new in terms of what you're going to find out about who won the tournament, but more about how they won the tournament and more about the person themselves. And I think that that is going to be really interesting to see more of the background of how people are, like how they fish, where they came from, and to get more of that storyline in the TV show is going to be very important. So I'm excited to see about that. We also have, you know, a, an announcement of sorts coming out about the TV show and how it's going to be aired. So once that stuff kind of all hits public gears, um, it'll be it'll be good that we get to talk about it publicly and I don't have to sit here and just give you teasers about it. Cool. Well, I, I'm i excited about it just because of how you how excited you were when you told me about it this morning. Uh, so I, I think if if you like it, then I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it as well, and I, I like that. Yeah, it's going to be a great opportunity uh, for our viewers to just, as a whole, understand the bass fishing world in general. It's going to be great. Cool. Uh, moving on from that, TH Marine is back with FLW as a sponsor. That's our one piece of sponsor-related news this week. Uh, TH Marine, they make everything. Uh, if it's a cleat on a boat, if it's G-Juice for a live well, if it's a trolling motor pull cable, uh, mounts for your electronics, they probably make it, and they'd probably do a really good job at it. Yeah, the two things that I use from TH the most are their pull cable and their hot foot. Um, I Just think about everybody are, has one. That was going to say, I think everybody has one. I think those are the, the two main things that for any bass angler's needs – um, you've got to get one. It, it, it's got to be in your boat because those are going to help you perform better. You don't have to ever worry about your cable breaking. You can keep both hands on the steering wheel with the hot foot. I mean, I've I've talked to guys who don't use a hot foot, and they I don't know if it's just they haven't committed to it or what, but I'll sit there and convince them in about five words about how great it is to have two hands on the steering wheel. You never have to worry about bouncing in the waves anymore. I mean, 
the worst thing that you can do is be in like three to four foot waves and have to have one hand on the throttle, one hand on the steering wheel. It's like impossible to drive. I mean, you've been in boats where you're just hitting every wave wrong, but with the hot foot, you can make that happen. There you go. Hot foot advertisement, courtesy (laughs) Jesse Schultz. I'm a believer. Okay, moving on. We've talked a lot about the Havasu Rayovac already, but this Saturday there's some more action on Havasu going on. We've got the first Western Conference college fishing event of the season on Havasu. Uh, right now, there's I think twenty something teams signed up. Uh, they'll, I think there'll be a lot more college teams signed up as we get closer to uh, the other college, closer to more schools. Let's put it that way, and more in the summertime as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, for I think the Delta and Clear Lake in particular will have. Them. Uh, big field. Havasu is out there, you know, and it's not near, I would say, the bulk of our Western anglers. So what people don't understand is, like, when we have, say, a Kentucky Lake tournament, you've got 10 to 15 schools within a 100-mile ra- radius of Kentucky Lake. For Havasu, these guys have to drive 5, 10, 20, 30 hours to get, you know, to their Western qualifier. Maybe not 30. 30 might okay. be a little excessive. Might be an excessive. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is like, I've talked to these college anglers out West and they'll fly to some of their tournaments, yeah. you know, and in, on the East, that's unheard of. Yeah. The guys out West, I mean, absolutely are putting in more wheel hours than mm-hmm. anywhere else. It's harder to, it's harder to do than anywhere else. So I, every, right. The commitment that the Western Angler Show is really astounding Especially to for me. college anglers who are taking their time away from classes and trying to get out of tests and things like that. I mean, it's not easy. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think that should be kind of an interesting event to follow. Obviously, being held in conjunction with the Rayovac, it's, you know, it's going to be a little interesting from the perspective of you don't know exactly where you'll be able to fish because some of the top 10 guys might be on your stuff. Sure. At the same time, they'll have kind of an idea of what sort of patterns to look for, I think, Mm -hmm. because we've seen, you know, these couple of days leading up to it, it sounds like there's a lot of fish moving shallow, moving toward beds. And if there's fish moving up onto beds, that could make for some really good weights because that's, those are fish you can find easily just in a day of fishing. You can put the trolling motor down and just go looking and potentially catch five good ones. It was always a double-edged sword for me when we fished a college tournament in conjunction with the Rayovac because I was always... You know, I wanted to to read on the website to see how these guys were doing, but at the same time, it's kind of like doc talk. Like you, you only want to fish kind of what you have confidence in, mm-hmm. and if you read too much into it, then all of a sudden you're going out there for your tournament and your mind is spun because you're like, well, do I need to be going up the river because that's how the leaders fishing at the Rayovac, or do I just need to continue what I found in practice? Like, it can almost hurt you by kind of reading into it too much. Yeah, for me, I always. I always fished them on Champlain, and the issue with that is we at Champlain always have a, uh, or always had anyhow, a limited area where college fishing That's right. could could take place. So you could have plenty of guys run south to Ticonderoga, but we knew we couldn't fish down there. Sure. So for us, it was a matter, for me anyhow, of practicing in those areas, which that part of the lake where we were allowed to fish, mm-hmm. the Plattsburgh and uh, the northwest side of it, I was not very familiar with it until college fishing and i had to go up there and i had a few times i I would say each each time at least one of my spots there was a member of the top 10 on but i had a few other backup type things to 
to go do and to try and catch fish on. So it that that to me was the issue of man, I can't get to my water or somebody absolutely pounded my water. I had one in I had one instance where I'd really found a lot of fish on this particular weed line and I went and I flipped down it and really didn't catch any fish on it. And we went back and targeted like the outside clumps and the fish had just moved off of it a little bit. And they were there on the outside and just a little, just a little bit different. Uh, So sometimes like an adjustment like that, or just really trying new stuff that hasn't been pounded by a hundred plus boats can Mm -hmm. be pretty key. Sure. All right. Uh, Moving on from Havasu, we've got the, college fishing open it's our it's an inaugural event for us we've never had one like this coming up um do you want to talk a little bit about i guess what's on the line for that sure so the college fishing open is going to be held on kentucky and barkley lakes and it's going to be i don't know the date off the top of my head it's in march and uh finding the date yeah he's gonna get the date for us real quick but it's a new event for us and it's an interesting event because it's open to any college team but there's no like it's, it's not really a qualifier because you're not going to a regional from this event. You're actually going straight to the national championship. Which is a first. That's first. We've never done that before. So it's interesting. It's kind of a gamble, but it's top 10 are going to have a berth to the national championship. And first place wins a boat. And we're not, you know, we're not, we used to give away a lot of boats in, in the regionals and we have we kind of went away from that. So this is, I think, the only event that we're giving away a boat in as well. So it's an opportunity uh, for the winner to make off really well for a national championship berth and the boat. And then for the rest of the top 10 to make it to the national championship bypassing a regional tournament. Yeah. Well, we obviously give away boat in the national championship, in the national championship as well. Right. Uh, but yeah, this one. The, the the chance to not have to fish any other college tournaments to have to be able to schedule your summer at will is I think a really cool one. If you if you manage to make the top ten at this open, which I mean it's free to participate in, it's March twentieth and twenty first. Uh, it's a two day event, full field, fishes both days. So you're not going home after uh after one day, you're there for the long haul. You can go out and catch a 30-pound bag the next day, get into that top 10 if you don't catch them on the first day, uh, which that time of year on Kentucky Lake should be pretty possible to do because there'll be a lot of fish moving around. It should be very pre-spawn. Now, the fishing could be it could be really good. Even if it's not really good, it should give people a big opportunity for big comebacks, I would say. Absolutely. I mean, March can be a tough time to fish. But for the whole, you know, for the top 10 to make it to the national championship, I think it's only going to take around maybe less than 20 pounds to make the top 10 for two days of fishing. So I think it's easily that somebody could go out one day and catch enough fish to make the top 10. Yeah, I think you might be a little less optimistic mm-hmm. about it than I am. But I I agree that I think you can, it's going to be very feasible, and I'm sure it'll happen for somebody to have a real subpar day one, sure. but really catch them on day two and and make it happen. And I, to me, I would definitely, if I was anywhere in the, if I was five hours away, I would have gone yeah. and fished this tournament because I think the chance to, to not, for me anyhow, to not have to travel in the summer, to be able to uh, just set my schedule that far ahead of time, right? which you couldn't do when you're trying to fish a regional or when you're trying to fish a regular season tournament, then maybe fish a conference championship. Uh, 
and that sort of thing. You can't do that when you have to when you have to be aware of that. And this is just lets you be good to go if you make the top ten. What's most enticing for you? Is it the boat? Is that why you would fish this tournament? Or is I would it the, fish it for the, the top ten. For the top but 10, I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a very cautious fisherman. Right. I lack confidence in <laughs> almost all aspects of life. Sure. Uh, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to go catch twelve pounds a day. I'm going to make that top ten get the national championship the boat i mean it's a nice side but when you for me anyhow especially not being a local to come and think that i would have a shot against uh murray state bethel schools like that that are around here i i would struggle with that that said i would have plenty of confidence that i can go out and catch five a day and make the top 10 yeah, I mean, I think the boat's a good incentive, though. I mean, for maybe even guys who've already qualified for their conference championship, because you can still fish this tournament even if you've already qualified for the conference championship. So yeah. you can get in this even if you don't care about, you know, the boat or you don't care about qualifying. Either way, I think you have a good opportunity to make out with something really good. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, one team is going to go home with a boat is yeah. really pretty cool. <laughs> and this will be covered uh like a regular, like a Rayovac, really, yeah, just is, about. is how we'll cover it. You know, we'll have a pretty good chunk of staff on hand. We'll, we won't have, uh, we at this time, we don't have FLW Live set for this tournament, but we'll be doing morning and evening stories like we do for a Rayovac. We'll have on-the-water photography, uh, and that should be a really cool thing that we typically don't do except at the national mm-hmm. championship, and that's that's a fun thing to, to look for. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to covering this tournament. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing because, like you and I, have started fishing this lake a lot more now that we live down here, and so I'm always excited to whether it's a Rayovac, a BFL, or a college tournament to see how people approach this lake, especially in March because we don't have a lot of events this time of year. Yeah, it is kind of an oddball time to have a tournament on Kentucky Lake. You know, they're the fish aren't going to be on ledges, and that's kind of a plus. From a are you giving away information? Okay, the fish are definitely going to be on ledges. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen guys catch them on ledges really any time of year on this lake. But like you said, it's not the typical time of year that they're going to be stacked out there in huge numbers. Let's put it this way. It's not the time of year where everybody is going to be fishing on ledges. That's a good point. How about that? That's the best way to put it, I would say. Yeah, because, yeah, fish can be on anywhere, anytime because they're fish and they're crazy. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on from that. We're going to talk a little bit of a BFL weekly update. We had one BFL this past weekend on Saturday uh, on Lake Okeechobee out of Clewiston. I think they probably went and hit up the Elks Lodge afterward, uh, had some steaks. Oh, man, it's a really it's a good deal. You miss it, don't you? I really do. Also, <laughs> flip-flop weather. Um, Ty Fox took home the win. He caught 23 pounds, 9 ounces. He was flipping a speed craw, a sweet beaver, around cattail clumps on the south end of the lake. Uh, Really a lot like how Val won uh, the week before, the couple weeks before in the Rayovac. Fish in the same area, but maybe targeting different fish, right? Well, perhaps. I mean, it's that south end of the lake, it's very, a lot of it looks very similar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can say fishing cattail clumps, there are a lot of cattail clumps to be found. Sure. Um, But he was, I would say, fishing a similar way. Uh, targeting perhaps not the same fish, but fish doing similar things. And honestly, I, I, I'm i really impressed by what he managed to do because it sounds like the conditions were really 
against that. Ideal. I mean, they had yeah. had a lot of wind. They uh, had had a lot of kind of bad weather. And, you know, he went out and fished an area that had just been pounded by the Rayovac guys and, you know, pulled out 23 pounds, 9 ounces. It's not an incredible Okeechobee bag, but it's a good Okeechobee bag. Yeah, especially for what the rest of the field caught. I mean, he was the only 20-plus bag caught in the tournament. So from what we saw at the, you know, Rayovac event, I expected the top five to have over 20 pounds. But like you said, weather conditions weren't exactly ideal. And then Val, who won the Rayovac, finished 16th place with 15 pounds even. So did you expect him to win this BFL tournament or you expected him to kind of do what he did? I guess I expect him to do what he did. I really expected Brandon Medlock to win this tournament. Mm. Uh, I felt like Medlock had been on some really good fish. I'm guessing they moved. Maybe he didn't even fish it. I'm not sure. Uh, But he, I I thought that if I was going to pick somebody to win, I would have picked him. Um, That aside though, that's not really, what we thought isn't really the point. The point is, you know, Fox, he stuck it out. He had to wait a long time to catch his fish. They were, there was very much the afternoon bite that was typically present on Okeechobee when he caught his fish. And, you know, he obviously picked up the win. So congratulations to him. Yeah, another cool story that came out of that is Brianne McMillan. I think you definitely know that last name, right? <laughs> yeah, the, she is she's related to the McMillans. She's not uh, like brother and sister necessarily with uh I'm not I'm not sure 100% on yeah, the family, not but Brandon's brother. Correct. Maybe a, I think her I think it's I think her cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah. Uh she actually is a college fisherman as well or college That's right. angler. Um, That's right. Uh, at Florida Gulf Coast, uh, I think she's made the Southeastern uh, region or conference championship before. Probably will again. Sure. Uh, and I just think it's cool to see uh, a young angler, uh, a young woman, doing so well. Absolutely. Um, Eighteen pounds is uh, nothing to sneeze at. It can, <laughs> it can win a lot of tournaments. It, it can, it can put you high in a lot of tournaments across the country. This weekend, it was Keon Okeechobee, and so I think that's yeah. second place. Brianne McMillan, something worth uh, taking note of. Duly noted. Yep. And Jesse, I think that's about it. I think we've we've talked our way through about everything we can talk about. For uh, you guys who are, I assume, going to want to watch this upcoming Rayovac, uh, look for some small smallmouth. Look for some big largemouth. Look to see if uh, Billy Skinner can bring a thirty pound bag up to the scale. That'd be pretty amazing. FLWLive.com. It's three p.m. Mountain Time. That's five Eastern, four Central. I guess two. Pacific. Uh, I'm impressed with that math you just did. Usually I don't get that right. A lot of times I schedule podcast interviews for guys who are, you know, they're on the East Coast or the West Coast, and I need to do it in my mind, and I've gotten better at it, but I'm still a disaster and doubt myself every time. But what I would say is sometime this afternoon, just go to flwlive.com, see what's happening. That's your best bet. Uh, And, of course, we're going to have a midday update up on the website. We'll have, uh, we've got a photo gallery up right now. We've got the morning story up right now. We'll have pattern stories throughout, uh, more on the water photos coming. Yeah. FL- FLW live.com. will give you straight to your live coverage of the weigh in and FLWfishing.com will make sure that you're caught up with all the Rayovac news and other FLW news. Exactly. And another good place to uh, keep an eye on the Rayovacs, to keep an eye on FLW in general is of course, our social media outlets, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
all of those will have uh, have some Rayovac related information, some other uh, good information I'm sure coming up, and those are places to keep an eye out. Uh, follow us. Uh, you can follow you can follow me uh, at Jody Blanco on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Jesse, people can follow you, I believe, if yeah, they on, want to. On Twitter, absolutely, at Jesse Schultz. And they can follow you on Instagram, too, but you don't really do anything there. I have an Instagram account, at Jesse Schultz. Uh, you can definitely find me on Facebook, uh, Jesse Schultz. And, yeah, I'm around. Um, probably not as active as Jody White is or Jody Blanco, anyway. Also, you can send Jesse emails at... No. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we, we're not going to give that out yet. Um, but you can send the podcast emails. If podcast sure. at FLW fishing.com uh we've gotten a few we're gonna have scott canterbury on soon we've had a request it's gonna happen sure. uh, probably after this Havasu event is my guess i think that's that could be a prime time to talk to scott yeah and i, I know a lot of people contact us via social media and we try to do our best to respond to everybody i also will say because i do get a lot of phone calls here in the office and people always start off with hey i hate to bug you or you know they they just seem like they're reluctant to call us. And I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, we have a lot of great customer service, you know, relations people in this office. They are more than happy to help you. And if they cannot answer your question, they will forward it to somebody who can. Yeah. And uh, I get forwarded a lot of messages, you know, about the website, about uh, Angler profiles and things like that. So, you know, I'm typically in my office from eight to five every day. So I'd be more than happy to talk to you. So, Call customer service, ask for Jesse Schultz, <laughs> pick his brain. That's what we want you guys to do. Uh, if you can uh, have some real long conversations about him, take him off his job, that would be prime. Uh, but seriously, though, it is, it, it's, I have no problem answering questions, you know, yeah. be they ridiculous or, you know, very legitimate uh, about anything. I answer them all day long on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, follow the Rayovac, obviously, and we'll be back next week with a much more uh, regularly scheduled and typical podcast, not quite like this one that you got. 